0: All right, welcome to a new episode of Sixers Daily. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. Before I jump into things, don't forget, subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it, we are there. And of course, check us out online at libertyballers.com. Joining me today, a man who has an NBA insider for Bleacher Report, also his book, Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Era, Changed the League Forever. You can catch that anywhere you get your reading fix. Mr. Jake Fisher. Jake, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you for the introduction, How are you?
0: I'm doing all right. Big news, obviously, and you wrote about this a couple of days ago circling around the NBA. And sorry Philly fans and Sixer fans, we are going to have to talk about Ben Simmons until we get a resolution to this issue. But looking at it with uh, what's gone on with James Harden, you wrote a couple of days on uh, a couple of days ago on Bleacher Report that Harden might be looking to relocate in the offseason. Doesn't look like any deals are going to get made at the trade deadline. The the Nets uh, pretty much came out and told Woj on Wednesday that, hey, this is not going to happen. But when you're talking to the people you know around the league, and Kendrick Perkins also said there is some you know, smoke to the fire that Harden might want out and going to Philly. When you're looking at this, how realistic of a proposition is this, do you think, for the Sixers to try and maybe look at getting uh, Harden in for Ben in the offseason?
1: Yeah, it's something that's hung over the, the whole dynamic ever since Ben Simmons. I mean, Even before Ben Simmons requested a trade, I I think from my understanding from the conversations I've had with pretty much everyone involved in this dynamic, um, aside from Ben Simmons himself, because very few people have spoken to Ben Simmons um, throughout you know all of this in the NBA world, um, I'll say like the Sixers' original efforts to trade Ben to go and get James Harden from Brooklyn a year or from Houston, excuse me, a year ago before James got to Brooklyn, that was the first fissure crack whatever you want to call it in this relationship between Ben and the Sixers franchise where i mean i think it's pretty well documented at this point that he was you know shopping around for houses in Houston and all that stuff um and then you, you know you go into the Atlanta Hawks series game 7 loss doc river's post game comments blah 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 james has always been someone that the sixers were i mean they they valued Ben Simmons highly And I mean they value Joel Joel Embiid more, and I think, as I've written about in the past, and I've definitely spoken about a lot as well, I mean, Daryl Morey's clear effort to make this Joel Embiid's team and to build a team around Joel Embiid um, has clearly all along put Ben Simmons on that chopping block of potential piece to go and get a James Harden or a Damian Lillard or a Bradley Beal. Um, The reason this stuff is coming up now is because, yeah, as the trade deadline approaches with this Kyrie Irving part-time player status in Brooklyn, Kevin Durant's injury is kind of exacerbated the situation where in games Harden's playing by himself with a lot of old guys on um, minimum deals like Blake Griffin and the Marcus Aldridge and Paul Millsap's not even playing for them right now, um, to a mix of young guys and second-round picks like Kessler Edwards where – He's, he's definitely starting to look where the grass may be greener, and Philly is, is the obvious, um, you know, clear landing spot that that would work. I mean, there's other teams, I'm sure, if, if James Harden signaled, I'm definitely going to reach for agency, you know, I'm sure a lot of teams would start to try to move some things around and see if, they, if he'd have interest in going there. Um, but that's kind of the context here. If I, if I checked all the boxes to your question.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, there's so many underlying things that have to play out in order for this to occur. Like you're looking at Brooklyn, if KD's back fully healthy, which we expect, you know, coming in about a month or so, uh, depending on what happens with the vaccination status of Kyrie Irving, maybe the, you know, New York changes its policies that you don't have to be vaccinated as as hopefully the pandemic winds down here, uh, getting into the spring and into the summer. But when you're looking at the factors, like I'm mentioning let's say Brooklyn goes into the playoffs, all three are healthy, somehow loses in round two, maybe again in round three. Would that put more pressure on James Harden to want to leave? Like, what do you think his dissatisfaction is right now at this point? Just the kind of chaos that's been around the Nets in terms of the Kyrie situation, uh, Steve Nash. Some people are complaining about the way he's running his rotations. Like, what do you think the the, the reasons are that James Harden might, want, not to say he's going to for sure, but might yeah. want to leave Brooklyn come time for the offseason?
1: Yeah. Well, to be clear, like there's no pressure on James Harden, right? Like he's, he's doing what he wants to do. If anything, I mean, the way it's been described to me by people who know him, he wants to win championships, plural. Like he, as, as much as he gets crap for being the strip club guy and shows up out of shape and all that type of stuff, like he is a winner. I think that's why he's frustrated, Right now, overall, he's he's that's what he said. I mean, what he said post game Tuesday night after my report came out was that he's frustrated by the losses. Um, you know, on record, obviously, for those paying close attention, he he lightly pushed back that he does that he um on the fact that he loves living in Bro- he likes living in Brooklyn. But you know, from I've talked to several people who are in his orbit, let's say, who have commented on the Kyrie status. Um those rotations with Nash, I mean, he likes to have a, you know, dating back to his Houston days, Harden liked to have, you know, a strong crunch time unit that he knew kind of, these are the four dudes I'm going to battle with when the game's on the line and Steve Nash, I mean, injuries have played a big factor. COVID's played a big factor, but Nash has proven a penchant to like to experiment with different lineups and stuff like that. He's rewarded guys with hot hands, young players who have stepped up and contributed that night. With that kind of closing lineup opportunity. Um, So, again, that's very circumstantial, right, being that if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were both healthy and the vaccination status wasn't hanging over it, they'd probably all be on the court um, for these crunch time lineups, and I doubt they'd really care too, too much about (laughs) who those fourth and fifth guys are, right? Um so it could have been me and you of, with him,
0: with him, uh with those three on the court and we'd have a chance at winning, don't you think, Jake? So <laughs> exactly so and I got
1: a little bit of a shot. I don't know about you guys. So but, uh yeah, I, I think um overall, like the other stuff about Brooklyn, I don't want to speak too much and put words in his mouth. Um, but like going from Texas where, you know, the Rockets, would always part of their free agency pitches to players over the years from the Carmellos of the world to Dwight Howard, who they actually signed was when you come to Houston without our income tax with, um, with, with, the, with the low state taxes overall. And this the way the real estate's out here, you can get these McMansions that are not that far from the city. Um, you know, traffic there is pretty, it's easy to get around. The free are, are clear, Like I live in Brooklyn. I love living in Brooklyn. This is the greatest city in the world, as I told you before we got on air. But I would understand why someone who's a bazillionaire who lives in that type of environment and also has a lot of, I mean, most of these guys, very few of these players at this echelon of the NBA who make, you know, 40 million plus every year. Few of them don't have a lot of people on their payroll from managers to day-to-day people to chefs who live in their houses to, you know, maybe even a barber sometimes who like is a live-in buddies, so, you know, all this type of stuff, like those, those teams around them, like you got to pay for those guys too. And a lot of their housing as well. Um, and like, it just, it's very different doing that in Houston compared to, and he's also, you know, an LA guy, like coming from that whole life of LA, Arizona state, OKC okay, so Houston to, you know, New York, obviously the climate between New York and Philly is not that too different, which, you know, people kind of are poking holes in their porting in that regard. But on the other side of things in Philly, like their practice facilities in Camden, right over the bridge, you can live in Cherry Hill in the same type of mansion type environment, like that type of stuff. And that's a quick uh, drive down route 70. I believe if I'm getting it off the top of my head correctly, like I've made that drive from my parents' house in Cherry Hill to, uh, to, my, well, they don't live there anymore, honestly, but, uh, to that practice facility um so yeah i mean that's kind of all the factors that i'm i'm willing to share right now without putting too many words in his mouth for him
0: well i can i can understand the living in a mansion in in, in uh in houston and not being able to get that space in new york so i mean I, you could you know look at the difference between the two but like i said before i mean i love new york city i think it's a great spot uh, philly's a great city too so that is something we have to keep our eye on but shift our focus back to ben simmons now uh, this has been going on, like you mentioned, we had the rumors come out last season that it was going to be Ben Simmons, Matisse Stiebel, and a couple of first rounders for Harden that ultimately fell through James Harden ultimately from what we were hearing chose Brooklyn, but we're looking at this. Now you mentioned game seven in June of last year where he passed up the open dunk and just played not very good throughout the entire series. When you're looking at this from Daryl Morey's perspective, Jake, like Where are the Sixers at in terms of looking at this through the lens of Joel Embiid's playing at an unreal level right now? I mean, clearly, I think a top three candidate to win NBA MVP, uh, been the leading scorer in the league, really, I think, since about Christmas time now, overall averaging 33 points a game. But when you're looking at, at Daryl Morey's stance on this is, has it been that we are just going to wait for the best possible package until we can get it? Or is there any pressure on him to be like, let's try and make a move to add a piece. And if that involves trading Ben, because we have an MVP level guy who's turning 28 in less than two months, we should try and take advantage of this now.
1: The messaging from Philly side of things has been consistent all along. And it's that no matter how good Joel Embiid is, even like how good he is, is is the precise reason why they are waiting. They do not view this as wasting a season, being that they're looking at Ben Simmons from a sheer asset standpoint as being a 25-year-old multi-time all-star runner-up defensive player of the year who is under contract for four more years. And because of that, they are truly acting as if you're doing something now for this season just to optimize this season. That might not even that might not optimize them for those last three years after this season could actually hurt building around Joel Embiid and competing with Joel Embiid compared to not making a move now to try to optimize him this season. If that makes sense, um, I mean, a lot of people around the league, just like I've seen fans online, have 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 criticized that approach, which, you know, is fair. Who's to say, you know, if, if this isn't lightning in a bottle or how many years Embiid has at this type of peak? Um, but that's been Philly's standpoint all along, and they've got good reason, I think, to think that um, um, a guy like James Harden or Bradley Beal, who also is staring at a potential free agent this summer, or even Jalen Brown in Boston, you know, Shay to alexander in Oklahoma City seems to be a little less likely to come open and down the pipeline here, but who's to say, you know, even John Collins, for example, is a name that's come up, and he's clearly a piece that the Hawks would send back to Philly in that framework that's been discussed, he was not really being considered available for trade so widely back when Ben first requested a trade. And he's not the type of piece I think they're hoping for either, but he's just an example of how they're holding out for a player that they will, they will ultimately accept that deal for and hoping out or or holding out hope that that type of guy will become available between now and, um, uh, the start of next season. I mean, ownership to Embiid, to Doc Rivers, you know, everyone has seemed to have been, they're all singing the same company tune right now about wanting to wait for the best deal possible. But then again, like, yes, at a certain point after this season, um, I mean, they can't trade them after the deadline. Right. And I doubt we're going to see something change here in the next two weeks in that stance, maybe in the postseason if they fall short in the first round, or you know other elements that come into play somebody gets hurt someone gets fired what have you yeah maybe that can change in this offseason going into next year but for now that's the way things have stand I really they've stood that way since June July
0: you're looking at this Simmons thing and I'll ask you not from you know where you look at and the sources you've talked to but just in your opinion how do you think this this Simmons situation plays out and if you had to guess which team he ends up on, even if that's in the offseason, where do you think he ends up come time for June, July, if the Sixers wait till then to make a trade? I, at this
1: point, honestly, like if I'm making Vegas odds, I would, I would, I would really, I, I truly do think that Ben Simmons is most likely to end up in Brooklyn. I really do. Um, but and we're so far away from that. Like, if the Nets win the championship, it's going to be pretty hard for Jay's Harden to walk away from that dynamic. Um, I mean, the Sacramento Atlanta stuff seems to be very much in the present right now. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know what could happen between now and then that would change Philly's standpoints on those asking prices back. I mean, what really? I mean, the Washington situation is one I would keep an eye on too, especially you know if James does not come on on the board, like. The Wizards aren't great right now, and Bradley Beal is definitely applying pressure um, on that front office to. I don't. I don't want to like. want to be clear. Like, I'm not saying he's yelling at Tommy Shepherd, "Go get me a guy." But there's definitely influence being asserted to make this team better, and they're looking at Jeremy Grant and they're making options like, what if the Wizards don't, you know, march further into the playoffs than they are right now? What if they miss the playoffs altogether? Maybe Brad wants out, and that's an opportunity there as well. Like, I think those situations potentially coming up, even though they might not happen also like those to me still seem more logical than the Sacramento destination or Atlanta or the teams like Minnesota, Indiana that have been in the mix for him all along, because the one thing that's remained constant has been, they have those teams haven't had a player back that Philly wants to get. And they're just waiting for one of those guys to become available. So I still think that as much as it's a pie in the sky reality, like they're only if they're only going to make that trade for one of those guys, I would my guess to you right now is that his only landing spots, his most likely landing spots, are going to be the teams that those guys are on right now.
0: Yeah, and and, and more, like I remember, you know, being at training camp and and at media day, and and you know their stance, like you mentioned, everybody has been like, we're gonna wait till we get the best possible deal. Jake, I want to jump into a couple more things, including Tobias Harris and some general NBA talk with us being less than two weeks away from the deadline. We'll do that after a short break.
2: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N 29.com.
0: Let's shift our focus from Ben Simmons to the Sixers as a whole. Let's just say, you know, we we know he's not coming back anytime soon, Uh, likely won't rejoin the team, even if he's still on the squad after the trade deadline, Jake. But when you're looking at this, like Tobias Harris, you know, making 35 million this year, um, going up to 37 next year, then just over 39 in in 23, 24, which is the final year of his deal. Um, and I've said this before. I like Tobias Harris as a player. Is he playing up to the value of his contract? No, but he was given that by the team, and he took it. So when you're looking at uh, any of the other guys on Philly, whether that's Matisse Thybul, who has the potential to be an all-world defender, you know, once he gets it all together, uh, Tyrese Maxey, a young guy coming up really playing uh, amazing considering where his level was at, you know, coming into the league as a young man, you know, basically learning the point guard position. But when you look at this, is there any other moves that Philly is potentially looking at making right now that uh, would help, enable them to make maybe a deeper playoff run? Because as things stand, I'm looking at this roster as a, as a second round team. Maybe Joel can win a series on his own where he goes off for 35-40 a night, which he has the potential to. But is there any other deals outside of Ben Simmons that the Sixers could be looking at making right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, Tobias Harris's name has obviously come up a lot. It's, it's, it's largely been linked and, and, and synced with the Ben Simmons conversations. But I'm sure if that has brought... Other conversations to light where they could find someone who's got less guaranteed money into the future, they would take it. Um, and again, I'm not saying they're actively shopping to buy us, but I'm sure, that's a goal of theirs. Um, Paul Reed's name's come up a little bit. I don't know if I've written that yet. To be honest, I don't remember. Um, but he's definitely a name. I mean, he hasn't cracked that rotation, and he's kind of maxed out as being an MVP type Q league player. So make it makes sense that they'd be interested in seeing what his value would be. Um, and I think Isaiah Joe from, from conversations I've had would be someone that the Sixers are willing to part with as well. But other than that, it's been pretty quiet. Like I, I don't see them making significant moves to upgrade this current iteration of this team while they're waiting for this Ben Simmons domino to fall. I think, I mean, it seems like that group has pretty much been kind of galvanized by Ben's absence and they're trying to force, you know, forge forward as far as they can without him. Um, I, I I don't see that. I, I don't think they're going to do a George Hill type acquisition that they've done in the past.
0: Well, when you look at the Sixers as they are, uh, Jake, you know, looking at obviously Embiid, Harris, Maxi, really the leading guy. Seth Curry's had a nice season too, and then you have Danny Green, Matisse diable Andre Drummond. Uh, these guys who are, who are kind of the reserves right now, and hopefully Danny Green's back back in the lineup soon and later. But when you're looking at this, where do you put the ceiling on this Sixer squad without a Ben Simmons trade? And let's say they they pass the deadline without making a move, how far do you think they can get as constructed?
1: I mean, the way Embiid's playing right now, it's it's. I mean, you got to take your hat off to Chicago and Cleveland, really establishing them themselves as these as top tier teams in the East. I mean, what the, what the Cavs did last night um to Milwaukee well it's pretty impressive um they're just they they play like veterans I mean I was texting someone with that front office last night I mean they, they play together they, they go on runs like a real team so all of a sudden the Cavs are like just just like one of these teams but I mean the fact that the Sixers are right there in the mix I mean they're looking at it right now they're only two and a half games behind uh the first place Miami Heat like that's uh, apologies to the Charlotte Hornets who have had a really great year. Like that's clearly the top six teams in the East right now: Miami, Chicago, Cleveland, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Philly. And I think that order is going to be mixing and matching and flopping around, depending on health and whatever trade stuff happens this next couple of weeks here. So I mean, that's right, right. So honestly, right where I have expected them to be all season. I, I thought they'd be like a top six team, even without Ben. But that's how good Joel Embiid is when he's healthy he's in shape like it doesn't really matter how many and you have shooters around him like it doesn't really matter who was around him he's just that damn good so i i think right there where they are i mean if they fall into the playing tournament picture i think that'd be disappointing if if i'm if i'm a six if i'm if i work for the sixers organization i'm a sixers fan i'd be disappointed in that but um i think they could also i mean Who's to say they couldn't go on a run and and move up to four? You know what I mean? Um, But I doubt they're like, without Ben, I wouldn't consider them a favorite to get out of the East. Though I still think they'd probably be, they're in the bottom of that tier of of those teams.
0: Yeah, I'm interested to see how Chicago and Cleveland perform in the playoffs, given where they were coming from last season. Uh, I'm with you. I love Darius Garland, Jared Allen, uh, Evan Mobley, obviously, as a rookie. So I'm the Cavs. I'm keeping an eye on that squad as well. Although, like I said, age typically wins in the NBA. Uh, I want to wrap up just kind of taking a general look around the league, Jake. The Sacramento Kings, you mentioned, quite possibly the worst organization in all of sports. I've I've wanted them to do well because they have a great fan base. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, names we've heard thrown around. Also heard that they might be untouchable. You mentioned John Collins on Atlanta. Uh, also talking DeMontis Sabonis, Miles Turner on Indiana. Which... Name, do you think that might be available right now is most likely to be dealt before the February 10th trade deadline?
1: I would think it's Jeremy Grant. The, the Pacers have kind of been like the Magic in years past until the Magic finally did have their big rebuild uh, deadline last year where they sent out Vooch and Fournier and, and Aaron Gordon. The Pacers seem to be like this is the year they're going to do it. I mean, everyone's available there Domas, Miles Turner, Karis Levert, Torrey Craig, Justin Holiday, Jeremy Lamb. Mm. But, you know, Turner's injuries kind of clouded that situation a bit. A lot of teams that were looking at him were looking at him to help them make a playoff run. And now, you know, who's to say exactly when he'll come back? I mean, I was talking to someone familiar with with his injury um, the other day before I wrote this story that came out this morning, Thursday, on this trade notebook. And, like, there's really – he's out at least two weeks. There's not much confidence it'll be two weeks. Like, it might be, you know, past the all-star break, right? So, um if you're trading for someone to help you make the playoffs, but he's not available for you to help you make the playoffs, that's going to obviously lower the asking price and maybe it'll get too low or the offer prices, I guess. Um, And maybe it'll get too. the offers will be too low and Indiana will hold on to him through the draft. I think Jeremy Grant, you know, this is the highest his value will ever be. He's even coming off. He's even injured right now, Um, but he's, he's expected. I mean, he, he went down to the G league and he's been recalled. It seems like he's making progress. And, I mean, the Pistons are clearly rebuilding. Sure, there's a great logic to keeping him, and they get another top-five pick, and you add that pick to Cade and to Deke Bay and Isaiah Stewart and Jeremy Grant, all of a sudden, like, maybe they're the Cavs of next year, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But also, he's going to be very expensive very soon. uh, He wants a four-year, $112 million maximum contract extension this summer. You know, that might be a little rich for a rebuilding team's blood to create limitations for them to build that thing from the ground up. And if you can get you know somewhere between what Vucevic went for last year and Gordon went for last year, you know a pick and a good young player, another player, maybe a pick or two. Um, you know I, I could totally see the Pistons opting to use someone that they kind of just stolen for agency to go give them another young piece that matches up more closely with their young draft picks timeline.
0: Jake, is there is there any other any team that might be under the radar that we're not hearing about that you're that you're looking at and hearing from from your sources that might be looking to make a deal that comes out of nowhere as a surprise, you know, trade uh, announcement comes down on on February tenth? Like, damn, that that came out of nowhere, or is it just kind of the big players that we're hearing with Atlanta, Sacramento? Uh, you mentioned the the Pacers, Detroit. Those are kind of the squads we're looking at to to make the most moves come time for February tenth.
1: Yeah, I mean i i would be surprised if there was a surprising deal um just because there hasn't been i've been making calls every week and there hasn't been too too much new that's been popping up um but new orleans i just think is is has a lot more firepower and they have a lot more options on the table than's being talked about compared to those other teams right like not saying they have more um, on the table but like they have just as much but they haven't been brought up because they don't have the piece right like they're a buyer versus like indie portland atlanta sacramento they're all potentially buyers and sellers um no they could be they could do multiple moves like that um the pelicans are interested just in sheer buy mode and because they're kind of poking their nose around in a lot of different options they haven't really come up as being like a strong landing spot for many people outside. I mean, I've heard CJ McCollum pretty loudly there, but like they poked them I and they poked around on both Sabonis and Turner in the past. So um, I could totally see them. They even placed a call to Ben Simmons at some or, or, or on Ben Simmons at some point. Not not recently. Um, I would not, please don't think that means they're a Ben Simmons opportunity. Um, but yeah, I think the Pelicans I mean, they have a big move to make and I think they will make it.
0: Last one for you, Jake. Before we wrap up here, uh, Ben Simmons, you mentioned again there. What what is his value around the league? Do people look at him as okay? This guy's a three time All Star, All you know, first team defense type talent that we're willing to pay a premium. Or do teams view him as, you know, we saw what happened in that seven-game series against the Hawks. We've seen his limitations in terms of being able to hit the outside shot, even take the outside shot consistently, let's be honest. Um, But when you look at his value to the other GMs, would they be willing to pay a premium to get him, or do they look at him as a guy who's lower than kind of maybe the top 25, 30 guys that we've heard Daryl Morey and the Sixers have on their list?
1: Yeah, I don't think, I mean, there's... I've talked to executives from a handful of teams that have had consistent interest in Ben from the jump, right? From Minnesota to Indiana to Atlanta to Sacramento. um, I mean, Cleveland, everyone who I've talked to, they want Ben, like, like those teams, they want Ben Simmons because they value him for what his ceiling is. I don't, I haven't heard a single person really talk about worrying if he'll ever be able to, get back to the levels that he was at before whatever happened uh, during his last couple, you know, during his last stretch as an active member of the Sixers. Sure. They're using that to their advantage right now in these trade conversations. Well, it hasn't really uh, advanced them. Obviously they're definitely treating him like Kawhi Leonard in San Antonio when the Raptors acquired him. They're, they're, they're treating him like a distressed trade asset, but the difference is that Kawhi only had, one year left on his deal. There were obvious loud rumblings of him heading to L.A. that offseason and free agency, which happened. Um, this is a very different situation. So for now, executives are kind of looking and hope, just like the Sixers and Daryl Morey are hoping that James Harden will become available or Bradley Beal will become available or Lillard or Brown, whatever. Teams are also saying, well, we're just hoping that Philly and maybe ownership will eventually get restless and they'll force Daryl to make a deal. You know that's kind of where everything stands. I, I these these teams want him; they value him. They're, they've offered young players and picks. I mean, the Hawks aren't putting up John Collins and Bogdan Bogdanovic until Danil Gallinari because I think Ben Simmons sucks, right? Like they want to bring him onto their team. So um, it, it's it's murky and kind of confusing to say like how exactly they value him because I think they value him higher than the offers they're making right now. They're just a competitive business and negotiations are a sport themselves.
0: All right. I appreciate your insight, Jake. I know you are a busy, busy man. So thank you for taking the time out to join us here. Uh, Love reading your work on Bleacher Report as well.
1: Thank you very much, man. I appreciate you having me.
0: All right, that's Jake Fisher, of Bleacher Report. You can also catch his book, Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever. And follow him on Twitter as well, at Jake L. Fisher. That's F-I-C-H-E-R. Uh, before we wrap up, don't forget, subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us wherever you get your fix. And of course, Paul Hudrick, Jackson Frank, uh, Harrison Grimm. I can go down the line. We have a talented, talented writers at Liberty Ballers. i have you covered there as well.